Okay, we got to knock it out of the park this year. Oh, I know. How about another homemade coupon book? Mm, that didn't go so well last year. She ended up using all of those coupons to make grocery lists after she ran out of post-it notes. Plus, she doesn't really need our permission to make us wash the car. Ooh, breakfast in bed? That flopped last year. On her birthday, remember, she was cleaning pancake batter out of the inside of the microwave for weeks. How about a crock pot? Ugh, wrong on so many levels. Just the word crock pot. Who wants that? I know, a mix CD of her favorite music. No, we share a music library on the computer. I'll kind of put a damper on the surprise. Yeah. Well, we could get her roses. Mm, Got to save that for Valentine's Day. And her birthday. And my birthday. This is hard. I know. Well, we have to think of something. We cannot get her another IOU. No. That just says we forgot, or we're stupid, or boring, or all three. How about a day at the spa? Two people rubbing my feet. Have you seen my heels lately? Cracks the size of the San Andreas Fault. Mom, that's gross. It's true. Jason, I'd love to rub your feet, honey. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Jason. You're awesome. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, good morning. This is my gift to myself this morning. I dressed comfortably. No reptiles are involved. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're going to have to get the CD from last week. Sorry. So I don't have time to revisit that one. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the gift of time. And what I want to begin with is talking about the most important relationship that we have on the path to stronger relationships. By the way, have I mentioned that those are my men? Is that sweet? I took that picture at Iron's Fruit Farm. Look how little he was. I'm really nostalgic. It's Mother's Day. Sorry. Okay. So we're going to be talking about the gift of time. And the most important relationship that is central to all our other relationships, of course, is our relationship with the Lord. You know, filling up our time is really easy to do. Packing our schedule seems to come really naturally. But finding time, clearing our schedule, that's much more difficult. I want to encourage you to give yourself and give your family the gift of quiet. This is something that we don't have very much in our lives anymore. But I want to talk a little bit just about why it's so very important. Quiet, which we desperately need, gives us the ability to think, to process, to reflect. But most importantly, above everything else, it gives us the ability to hear that small, still voice in our hearts. It gives us the ability to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. When we are so busy and so distracted and our life is so full of noise, it is impossible almost to be convicted. It's impossible to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And it's extremely easy for us to ignore whatever little tidbit that we do hear. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, if you look at this, it's a t the word Rapha in the Hebrew talks about ceasing. That's a word we don't even really use in our language. Cease, right? It's like cease and desist, like stop. Cease, or the connotation that it's used in other areas of the Old Testament is like let go, to abandon. If you think about letting go of unnecessary things or other good things that maybe aren't as important or great things in your schedule, to cease, to let go, 
What can you do to make time so that you can have quiet, so that you can spend time reflecting, so you can spend time listening to God? It will definitely improve all of your other relationships. It will make all of your other relationships stronger. Psalm 23 is a super familiar passage, but I want to talk about the first three verses. And I'm going to read them here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is a super familiar passage, and it has some neat kind of like a poetic imagery in it. Was it talking about, obviously, the shepherd. And the good shepherd in that time was understood to be completely taken care of, fulfilling all of the needs, making sure that everything was taken care of for the sheep. The sheep didn't need to worry about where they were going to eat or sleep or that they were going to take the dangerous path versus the safe path. The shepherd basically had the lives of the sheep in his hands. And we can draw some great analogies from that as well. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Understanding that our needs are already being met by the great shepherd. You know, when it talks about lying down in green pastures, you know, sheep don't graze standing up. So if they're eating in a lush pasture and get in their fill and quite, the still waters is actually translated as quiet waters. So you have your fill, you're getting nourished, you're getting rest. And then he restores my soul. He's taking care of every area of our lives if we're willing to put our, our time in, spending time with him. We need to put ourselves into his hands. Um, nine years ago, right around that, I was on a trip. And my flight was delayed. And I was worried about getting there on time. And I finally made it to my destination. I grabbed a cab real fast. I ran up the stairs when I got there, and I met Beth Guggenberger. And we were sitting for a few minutes when somebody motioned for us to come. And we walked up to this window, and they held up my son at the hospital. And he was born from VSC section. So we got to see him in this little window. And I remember just being so amazed at this little stranger that I was looking at who was going to be mine. And they took him wherever they went this way, but I couldn't go. And they told me, they motioned me to go over through this way to this hall. So I ran to this hall, and it was a totally different hospital scenario than I've ever seen, but there's a big semicircle. I, I felt like I was at an exhibit. It was kind of funny. And this was the nursery, and you had even a step and a railing and a big window, and all the babies were in the nursery like this. And people just walked on through and looked, and I stood there. Because in Mexico... At that time, all the babies were put into an incubator for four hours. So Josh was right there. And I stood there for four hours and watched my kid, my son, thinking everything about his life, everything about being a mom to a boy, whole new thing. Um, it was incredible. And the only time I left was when they took him, they cleaned him up. I watched them give him a bath. And then they took him to get him dressed and said, we're bringing him to the room. And when I got to the room... She said, as the nurse walked in, give the baby to his mother. And the nurse walked over and put him in my arms. So I was the first person to hold him outside of the, doc the doctors and the nurses. And I thought, I will protect you. I will guide you. I will nourish you. I will make sure that you take the right paths as best I possibly can, even against your own will and your desires. I will be there. I had such an overwhelming 
attachment to this little tiny stranger I had met for one second. And God thinks that of so much more of us as a shepherd. He is going to guide us and nourish us and protect us and lead us and give us restoration so much more than I'm going to give to my kids. You know, I lost my mom when I was three and a half. I know what it is to be in want. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to need guidance. And it's the time that I've spent with my shepherd that has really given me the ability to have much stronger relationships in every other area of my life. If you think about it, you thinking about it now? <laughs> oh, you have to ask yourself, how how is it that Jesus was so influential? Um, he didn't have great wealth. He didn't come from a powerful family. He didn't have many of the things or most of the things that would make us believe that he could have an impact on the world the way he did such a massive impact on our world. I think really the secret, part of the secret to Jesus' success is where he chose and how he chose to spend his time. How he chose to spend time. Think about it. Jesus invested his time in developing people. He engaged in people's lives. Jesus selected, he corrected, and he restored people face to face. It was an intimate relationship. He addressed their physical, their emotional, and their spiritual needs on an intimate level. That's what he did. That's how he lived his life. Growing up, it was just my mom and I, and I grew up, and I, I've told many of this already, but I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment in, in New York. It was a lower-income apartment complex, and my mom was a, a really hard-working mom. She worked full-time. She worked really hard, but didn't make a lot of money. Um, but, and she gave me what she could, but you know, I was lacking in the right kind of clothes and the right kind of shoes. And I didn't have a lot of the, the benefits that other people would have. And I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I was missing, I guess, a little bit of the things, the things, the stuff that other people around me, uh, were able to get. But you know, I don't, I don't feel like I missed out when I was growing up. I didn't feel like I was missing out. And the reason is because of my mother. She invested so much time into me. She took the time to make sure I was healthy and I was strong emotionally. And physically. She invested her life in me. You know, one area where we're all on the same playing field, pretty much is in the area of time. You can't buy more time. We all get the same amount of time, basically 24 hours in the day. The only question is, where are you going to invest your time? Well, with the time that I have here this morning, um, I want to share why your investment in others pays off in stronger relationships. I want to give you three reasons why it's so beneficial to invest your life in other people. If you're going to take the time in, in this life and you say, how should I spend my time? 
Deb and I both feel that it's investing in the lives of others that will that will pay off, if you will. That investment will pay off and it pays off in stronger relationships. So three reasons. Reason number one, spending time with your children will help them become healthy adults. Now, I'm not going to spend the rest of my time just talking about parents and children, but on this first one, we will. Spending time with your children will help them become healthy adults. I think we can all understand that the time that that you spend with your parents or your family will help in the emotional development of of the people around, especially our kids. If we invest that time, it helps in their emotional development. It helps them become the person that they were created to be. God created each one of us with a specific purpose. And as we spend time investing in the lives of our children, it helps them become that person. Someone reminded me this past week of some statistics. Basically, because of the way I grew up, because of my background, I was most likely going to become someone who was a drain on society. Someone who would end up in jail. But that didn't happen. And so you have to ask the question, why didn't that happen when so many other people around me in the same circumstances did end up in those situations? Why didn't that happen to me? Because investing in people's lives has power beyond this world. When you invest in someone's life, it echoes in eternity. There's something supernatural about it as we as we take our hearts and invest our hearts in the lives of others. Paul, who invested so much time into Timothy, said this in first Timothy, chapter six, verses 18 and 19. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds and be gracious and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasures for they will lay up treasure for themselves uh, as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There is no better way of doing good than investing your time in other people, especially those of your own family. It's the most important thing you're going to do in your entire life. And moms do it so well. Moms are the examples that we should follow. Moms invest time in their families. Now, you may be thinking as a mom or a dad, you know, that was a that was a lot easier when my kids were younger. But now now that they're teenagers, I I find it a little more uh, intimidating. I'm a little more lost and unsure of how to connect with them. I think I can help. I think I can help you this morning. But you need you, you need to be a little bit of a snoop here. Okay. Moms and dads, you need to be a little bit bit of a a bit of a snoop. Casually find out what they enjoy doing and then try to implement, try to apply those things to the time that you spend with your children. Let me give you a few examples. So you're you're doing you're, you're becoming a student of your child. We call it snooping as parents. You snoop a little bit. You find out what they're interested in. And then you take those hobbies and those activities and you and you you incorporate those into the time that you spend with them. For example, find out what your son's favorite band is and then and then surprise him by taking him to a concert. Now, some of you are sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. I hate my son's music. Well, they don't, you know, students usually have different kinds of music they listen to. So it's not some like, you know, like, you know, gangster rapper or something's going to curse the entire time. Find some music that you could, you know, you can agree a little bit on, but don't tell them. 
And then, so you got to snoop a little bit to find out what kind of music he really likes. And then surprise him by taking to a concert. You say, well, I don't like his music. Well, then he'll really be surprised, right? He'll really be surprised. Now, daughters at some point in their lives may not feel that it's as cool as it used to be to go shopping with their moms. But you can't, you can't, you can't let that hurt your feelings and then not do it. You just have to be a little more stealthy in your approach, not so upfront and direct about it. Again, you need to be, you need to be spiritually sneaky. See, I add the spiritual parts to make the sneaky part okay, okay? Spiritually sneaky. If you're just sneaky, you're just sneaky. But if you add spiritually sneaky, it makes it okay. So you'll be spiritually sneaky. Give me an example. Driving on the way to school, you're going to take your daughter to school. And, ah, guess what? You don't go to school. You don't take her to school. Some of you are thinking, you can't do that. That's not allowed. Lighten up, Sparky. Come on, think about it. Come on. I mean, think about this. They're not going to remember one thing they learned that day in school 20 years from now. They're not going to remember a thing. But they will remember that time that you took them. You were supposed to go to school and you went shopping instead. They will remember that shopping experience with you for the rest of their lives. And if you want to be real technical about it, you can call the school and set it up, whatever you want to do. All right. Here's something amazing. This is something amazing. I used to, when I was younger, say to my mom, when we were driving to school, I did this almost every time I get a chance. Mom, let's not, let's not, don't, we were driving in 1970. Anybody have a, a, a Beetle when they were, you know, years ago? I had a 19, we had a 1973 Super Beetle, okay? My first car. She passed it on to me. So we drive to, to school every day in this white 1973 Super Beetle. I'd say to my mom, Mom, just keep going, Let's not go today. Let's just let's just keep driving and see where we end up. Let's do something else. You know, my mom's more of a conservative kind of person when it comes to that stuff. She said, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. Okay. Thirty years later, I'm sitting in her house in Albany and she sitting across from me. She says, you know, remember the times you used to ask me to just keep driving? I think about that all the time. I wish I would have done that just one day. I regret not doing that. I regret not just driving and doing that just one time. 30 years later, she remembered me asking and not doing it, and she regretted not doing it. And the reason she regretted is because that would have created a, a memory, a connection between us. It's not a big deal. I don't have any like emotional issues because of it. But it's something that she even remembered all these years later. So what have we taught our children so far? To be sneaky and to cut school, right? <laughs> they're like, the kids are coming in for their first, they're like, this is a great sermon. Are you listening to the pastor? You got to be sneaky. You got to cut school. No, that's not what they're going to learn at all. You know what they're going to learn? They're going to they're be reminded of how much they're loved and how important it is to invest in the lives of the people around them. That's what they're going to learn. When you invest your time like that, when you do special things, when you do creative things, especially as they get older, and you have to be a little more creative in connecting, they're going to remember those things. Even if they're too cool, okay, to really express it to you, they're going to remember it, and they're going to copy it and do it with their children. Listen, after a while, you stop counting the, the minutes and the hours, and the days, and the weeks, and the months, and the years. And you only count the memories. 
That's what is going to happen as we get older. Stop counting and thinking about all these other things. And what you truly start counting are the memories. So make some memories. Make sure you're making memories. Number two, the reason number two, you can make a difference in someone's life. This is so significant. You can truly impact someone's life, whether it's a a close friend or whether it's a family member. If you guys are connected, if you take the time, if you take time to invest in someone else's life, it will have such an impact on them. The time that you spend with them, you'll have such an impact on their lives. If you choose, if you openly choose to spend time with that person. It will influence them more than you could possibly imagine. This is especially important when people are going through a difficult season of their lives. There's a time where we all go through uh, uh, some challenges in our lives. And it's amazing when people are going through challenges in their lives. It's amazing as that goes on, especially if it lasts a little longer than most of the people around them want it to last. You know what I'm talking about. Someone who may have some disease, some even if it say it's cancer or something, if that lingers too long, you see a lot of your quote friends dropping off. And so people going through a difficulty in their life feel like they're they're going through it after a certain amount of time. They feel like they're going through it alone. They have no one to really talk to about it. Sometimes people, sometimes other people get a little sick of hearing you talk about it, right? Not your friends. But a lot of people go through that without close friends and they feel like they're going through it alone. They feel like they have no one to talk to. They have like there's no one to reach out and help. We all know people who are emotionally struggling. Let me tell you, the time, taking the time to go down to the the corner coffee shop and spend time with that person, investing in that person's life will transform them. It will change them. It will impact them like 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 nothing else. Taking the time to share words of encouragement, have the power to heal. You get someone alone. They're going through a hard time. You say, hey, let's meet down here at the coffee place or let's meet for lunch. Or let's meet for brunch or breakfast. Doesn't really matter. And you allow the person to share what's going on in their life. It strengthens your relationship like nothing else, because during a difficult time, you are the person reaching out to them. And that Those encouraging words are healing. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says this. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but kind words cheer him up. And then in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, it reminds us. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. They're healing. They're strengthening. You know, the time we spend with other people. Those who are close to us or those we'd like to be close to us, that time that we spend impacts their lives in ways that we could never, ever even imagine. Investing in someone's life who's going through something stressful is priceless. It's priceless. You can't buy someone a gift that has more value than spending that time when their lives are difficult, spending the time investing and encouraging them. There's nothing more valuable that you can do. Reason number three, it makes your relationships more meaningful. Anyone who has a best friend knows this is true. If you've had a best friend for years, you know this is true. Some friends, think about it, some friends come and they go 
with the, the beginning and end of seasons of your life. You know, you're, maybe you're working here, you're living in this neighborhood, or you, you're in school in this class, and some friends will come and go with the, with the changing seasons of your life. But it's the people that you invest in after year that are the ones that stick around. Those are the people that build the, help build the foundation of your life. It is the people that you are constantly investing your time in, that you're talking to, that you're encouraging, that you're walking through difficulties with. Those are the people who stick around. Those are the people who hold fast. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17, it tells us, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. But you don't get friends who are there all the time if you don't invest in those relationships. And there is nothing more important, nothing more important than having someone who you can count on. Having someone you can call on day or night and knowing that person's going to be there. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has that in their lives. So I really want to encourage all of us this morning to make sure that we're investing in people's lives so that as we go through difficulties in our lives, we have people there for us. And when you invest in someone's life, they'll reciprocate. It will come back around to you. It will come back around in, in, in ways that you could never even imagine as we invest in the lives of the people that we love. And that's why it's so important that we keep our relationships strong. Because if we don't do that, if you don't, it's really the beginning of the end. Those are, you know, it's, it's like our dad was talking about our relationship with God. And if, if, you, if you don't nurture that relationship, you don't strengthen that relationship, you don't keep communicating, that relationship in your life just becomes weaker and more fragile. Now, God never walks away from us. God's always ready and willing to reconnect in that relationship. But we need to invest our time in our relationship with God to make it strong. And we need to invest time in our relationships with one another to make them strong. Or else, like I said, if we don't, it's just really the beginning of the end. I want you to I want you to think about where you're spending your time this morning. And in your life, where do you spend most of your time I heard a statistic this week that people spend like 37 hours a week in front of the, the television. I'm going to count my hours up. I'm not sure I spend that much time, but maybe I spend more time than I should. Ask yourself, where are you spending your time? Because if you're not spending your time with the people that are closest to you, if you're not investing in your, in your mom or your dad, if you're a mom or dad, you're not investing in your children, if you're, if you're not doing those things, then you're basically wasting your time. God has given all of us 24 hours in a day. And he wants us to use them in such a way that we invest them in the lives of others. And if we do that, if we truly do that, our lives will be transformed and the lives of the people around us will be transformed as well. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to think about this morning the people who matter most to you. And this is not a guilt thing. Wipe the guilt. No guilt. No guilt. I just want you to think about how you can spend even more time 
quantity time and quality time. How you can spend more time with the people that you love the most. Maybe what are some things that you can kind of get out of your life, push out of your life, stop doing in order to invest more time in them? I want you to think of maybe one or two specific things that you're going to plan or, you know, just ask God even now. God, help me to plan something out with my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife or and students. I want you to be praying and thinking about this. I want you to think about how you can come up with ways to spend time with your parents. That you can ask them to do something specific, not just cut school, something else. Where you can ask them to do something specific. Hey, why don't we go and do this? Let's go and do that. Sometimes it's just that encouragement that people need to realize that you want to spend time. So, God, we ask that you would just be with each one of us. That you would help us, Lord, to focus our attention on the most important things in life, which are the people around us. And, God, that you would give us creativity. And that you would allow us to make sure that we're investing our time in things that truly matter. Maybe letting go of some things that don't really matter. Father, I thank you for families that care about each other. I thank you for moms specifically this morning who invest so much time and love in the people around them. I thank you for their sacrifice, for their years of sacrifice. I thank you for the way that they can, can, can touch our hearts and encourage us with their words and show so much compassion and mercy to each one of us, Lord God. I thank you for that gift. We pray, dear God, that today as we leave this place, that you would draw us closer to one another. And that we would spend the day rejoicing in you and rejoicing in the relationships that we have with one another. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a wonderful Mother's Day.